right, all right. Good morning, High Desert Word Center. How's everybody doing on a chilly springtime morning, right? I mean, <laughs> got a little bit cold on us, but praise the Lord. We are going to have a great time in the house of the Lord together today. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Can I get an amen today? Amen. Let's stand up together. Praise the Lord. Well, uh, uh, Pastor, Mrs. Pastor, Mom and Dad, they're, uh, they're up in New York today. He called me this morning. They're going to church over there with uh, Joe and Portia. And uh, uh, Pastor Katie's upstairs with the little kids today. So if you're hoping to see the good samples, they're all out of here today. You're stuck with me and Josh. So yeah, yeah, we got. So anyway, you just have to go with the B team, right? Come on, somebody. All right, praise the Lord. Well, we are going to speak some words of faith over the United States because it is more important than ever that we are standing in the gap and interceding for our country and for our world because we know that Jesus is coming back really, really soon. So we got to be ready. Amen. Let's go ahead and speak these words together. Father, we come to you in Jesus name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's make some noise for Jesus today. Hallelujah. All right. Well, we're going to take a few minutes here to do our meet and greet time. And so go around and uh, meet somebody, shake their hand, and give them a hug if you want to. Praise God. And just make sure that everybody gets a little love today. Amen. Let's go. I'm asking, one thing I needed, a moment that's passing, it's not what I'm seeking, like it's the air I'm breathing, I want your blessings, feet on the earth, I'm full of everything still for you, completely consumes me, I can't get enough, can't get enough of you, you're fine. Burning
Again, some of you that have been here for a while know that we used to do video announcements every week. So we are uh, we are revamping them, and so um, we are going to go ahead and play this week's video. and uh, And our media team's been working real hard on it, and they're going to keep getting better and better. So anyway, let's go ahead and roll that beautiful bean footage, can we? at 9 a.m. in Victory Hall for some breakfast, fellowship, and some Bible study. 
We've got another women's meeting coming up Friday, April 8th at 6.30. And we'll be joined with none other than Liz Nile. Hope to see you there. What's up, my peeps? Okay, so Sunday, April 10th, we get ready to welcome missionaries Dana and Liz Nile. Niles have been missionaries all over the world, Vietnam, Sri Lanka, India, South America, and several other countries. Let's get ready to welcome say hello. Hey everyone, Easter Sunday's coming up, April 17th. Come join us and bring your family and friends. We'll be having a children's performance, Easter egg hunt, and a family photo. Let's celebrate that Jesus is alive. All right, all right, all right. Praise the Lord. Well, let's go ahead. I got a few more things to uh, talk about here real quick before we uh, move on with the service. So first of all, I just want to give a shout out that family art night last week was a huge success. If anyone came out to that, I was absolutely, I was amazed at how many people came out and had a good time. So shout out to the Family Life Ministry for making that happen. All right, I want to also remind you that intentional parenting class is going on every Sunday right now from 4 to 5 p.m. And so, of course, if you've already signed up and you're in the class, be here today. But I believe we could still let you hop in if you still wanted to. You just need to get a book from the bookstore. It's $25. There is child care available. So that's from 4 to 5 p.m. And we still have three weeks left of the class. And I encourage you to take advantage of that because our calling at High Desert Word Center is to reach the families of Barstow. And we got to start right here and learn how to be parents God's way. Amen. We got to have a game plan and be intentional. Very good. Also, just again, baby dedications are the last Sunday of this month. So sign up at the back there if you want to do that. We were going to be doing softball practice today. And then um, then I was told by the team that because it's windy that they're going to go ahead and put that on pause. And so if you, were, if you came and you're like, well, I just came to church to play softball. First of all, that's not a good enough reason. Second of all, don't get mad at me. Go see James Browning, okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you like how I did that? I just kind of threw that out. Very good. Praise God. All right. And then with Easter coming up, uh, I've got a few announcements regarding that. We are in need of about 700 more eggs because we're doing several thousand eggs. So we need about 700 more. Uh, so if you could bring in some eggs for us. And then we need wrapped candy to put in the eggs. No chocolate, please. Apparently it melts in the sunshine. So uh, we need hard candies. And then if you are uh, going to be involved with the Easter play that we're doing, Dylan, right here, wave your hand, Dylan. Right, it's going to be having a meeting right after service. So if you want to be involved with the Easter play, meet Dylan in the coffee bar. Huh? You or your kids, if you or your kids want to be in the play, go to the meeting right after service, all right? And it'll be back there in the coffee bar. By the way, the coffee bar got brand new tables and chairs. I don't know if anyone noticed, so yeah. Those tablecloths are very temporary. We're just going to do a layer of uh, protection over the top of the tables because it turns out they're real wood. And so uh, we did better than we thought. But anyway, we'll rip those tablecloths off by next Sunday. And uh, anyway, that's a nice thing to have new tables. All right, I think that is all the announcements for today. But next what I want to do is welcome some very special people. If you are with us today for the first time, or maybe the first time in a long time, we'd like you to raise your hand. This is Sabrina from our welcome team. Amen. She wants to welcome you today. She's got a gift for you. All right, very good. So uh, we got some people right over here, Sabrina, back row over here. And then uh, she's got a welcome gift for you. There's an info card in there. If you could fill out that info card, 
and uh, and get that back to her by the end of the service. Uh, she's got something she wants to give you, and that'll give us a chance to get to know you a little bit better. And uh, we'll send you an email with some more information on the church. So thank you for joining us today. I feel like you made a great decision. Walter, did they make a good decision today? Amen. Cletus, was it a good choice? All right. Two thumbs up, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go. Who knows what time it is now? All right. I'm going to have my brother Lawrence Mata come on up for uh, our tithes and offerings. And I do as he's coming. Amen. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. He did, well, he just gave the, kid, the people on Facebook a very close-up view of his hand. All right. I hope you wash those things. Amen. Wash your hands, ye sinners. It's in First John. All right. Uh, <laughs> But uh, he's going to do the tithes and offerings. I do want to remind you that today is Missions Sunday. And so last week we took up a special offering for Ukraine. And we were able to send a very good amount to the Samaritan's Purse. And they're going to be getting that to help. Uh, they've got the hospital uh, up in Ukraine. And they're getting that going. So praise God for that. And this week I'm just going to give you a quick update from Dana and Liz Nile. They're going to be with us in a few weeks, and they have been super busy. Uh, they're some of our monthly missionaries that we support every single month. Um, and so I'm just going to read. They sent us uh, uh, their monthly letter here. And so they said that the, the Vietnam Bible School that they've been doing via Zoom resumed. And Dana said, both Liz and I are preparing to teach a number of courses. He said he's also lining up instructors for Canada, England, and a school they're starting right here in the good old USA. So, amen, America. And then uh, he also wanted us to know that this past month, they were able to send financial help to Peru, Nepal, Sri Lanka, and Vietnam. In Peru, they sent money to help fix a ministry vehicle for one of the churches there. In Nepal, they sent support money uh, to Pastor Philip so he can follow up. Uh, with the village churches, and he's planting four additional churches down there. Come on, somebody. That's good news. Amen. And uh, he said that Sri Lanka has seen food prices more than triple in the last year, so they're helping to feed the people there. This is where our money's going, guys, uh, to help things out over there. And, uh, and in Vietnam, they're helping pay the rent for one of the churches this month. So anyway, our, our finances right here from Little Barstow, California, are reaching all over the world. Amen. And it's exciting to do that. So uh, Lawrence is going to take up the tithes and offerings. But if you're doing your missions offering, make sure you mark that as missions so we can get it to the missionaries. All right. Praise God. Well, if you need an envelope, raise your hand. Cletus and Walter will be glad to help you. And in the meantime, turn to hot mic. Second Corinthians nine. Woo! Dylan's excited. Woo! Come on, who can outdo Dylan? Oh man! Oh, come on! They're gonna wake up soon, Pastor Dave. They're gonna wake up. All right. So this is actually an offering verse. If you didn't know but now you know. But tithes and offerings are important. Now, if you're that type of person that's thinking for like, okay, well, I did my tithes and my finances are no better. Well, one thing, if you're taking the, the intentional parenting class, is there's no quick fixes to anything, even your finances. So if you've been spending like crazy for 20 years of your life, how are you going to expect God to pull you out of it in like two weeks? So create a good habit of being a good tither because if you want to know anything about it, if you're like, ah, it's, this is just a church looking for more money. Pastor Dave's looking for another sweater, so he's taking up the operation. He's not even wearing a sweater today. He's not even wearing one today. 
But anyways, if you want to know about tithing, if you want to know how this affects your life, come talk to me. Because we were way, way in a bad place financially a few, well, a few years ago. But we're in an awesome place now. So if you want to see how it works, then just do it. If you want to hear how it works, come talk to me. I'll give you my testimony. So we're in Second Corinthians 9. We're going to start at verse 7 where it says, You must each decide in your, in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Don't feel guilty when they're saying happy time. You're like, well, you know, I've been wanting to go to Dutch Brothers because they just opened up, or I want to hit up somewhere else after church. Don't feel guilty about it, but it's required of you to tithe. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Now, that's out of the New Living Translation. We hear God loves a cheerful giver, but it's true. You know, like your parents, I know speaking for myself, I like it when my kids will just do something because they're supposed to do it, not because I have to tell them to do it and because they're going to kick and scream all the way. So here's something that has actually good benefits. So, I mean, try it. If you're going, if you're struggling financially, believe in God for it, but actually put some action to your faith and beliefs. And with that said, let's do our financial faith confession. pops up because I've probably said this a billion times but when you're up here holding the mic and Facebook is watching you get a little nervous so as we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today we believe and receive jobs or better jobs promotions raises and bonuses benefits sales and commissions growth and business settlements estates and inheritances interest and income rebates and returns checks in the mail gifts and surprises Finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's stand if we can. And the scripture tells us that the Lord is enthroned or inhabits the praises of his people. And that's what this song talks about. The scripture also tells us where there are two or three of us gathered in his name, he's right here in the midst of us. So let's sing this together. Shout your name and you come in, we give you praise, cause you 
let's raise our hands together today. Lord Jesus, we love you. And we raise our hands, God, as a, as a sign of surrender. We're saying, hey, we're not running from you. Lord, we're running to you. And thank you, Jesus, that we surrender and we ask you to have your way in our lives. Lord, you said you know the plans you have for us, and they're good plans. They're plans to give us a hope. They're plans to give us a future, Lord. And so we thank you, Jesus, that we are submitting our lives to you today. We are surrendering, and we're saying, have your way in my life. Do what you want to do. Do what you need to do, Jesus. I'm tired of running this thing on my own. I'm tired of screwing this thing up, Lord. I want you to have have your way. Jesus, you are good. You're nothing but good. And your mercy endures forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. You know, there's a Bible verse that if you've been here very long, you probably know it, but uh, it's a very, very important and key verse to understanding the Bible. And it's John 10 and verse 10. And Jesus, first of all, earlier in the chapter of uh, John 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Now, for us, we don't know much about shepherds and stuff where we live, but where he was talking in Israel, they all knew, they, uh, their ears perked up. They knew, what, okay, well, I know what a shepherd is. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I love you so much that I would lay my life down for the sheep. And we know that he eventually did lay his life down for the sheep. But then he says something really key in John 10, verse 10. He says, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus is good and he wants good for your life. Amen. But we've got to get to the point where we can say, you know what? I'm done being my own Lord. I'm done trying to do it all myself. We've got to lay it down at his feet. And it's not going to hurt you. It's for your benefit. And I am here to tell you today that Satan's the one that's trying to steal, kill, and destroy in your life. But Jesus has come to give you not only life, but life more abundantly. God is good. And he is good all the time. Amen. But you need to get that in your heart. Can we give the Lord some praise today? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You are faithful. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. It never, ever ends. Your mercies are new every morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Isn't it good to be in the presence of God? Amen. It's good to be in his presence. And, you know, they were singing that first song, You Inhabit the praises of your people. Well, that's something that was spoken to the uh, the people in the Old Testament, but that's true. Uh, that you inhabit, what does it mean to inhabit? It means you live there, you dwell there, right? And I can just tell you when you're singing his praises, when you're making your life all about praising the Lord and he inhabits those praises, what happens, man? He just moves on in with you, doesn't he? His presence is always there. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we're, uh, we're going to get into our message for today. Now, uh, I guess I need to probably give you a recap of some of the last several weeks. First of all, we started off 2022 and uh, with our main focus, and that is families. High Desert Word Center is called to be a family church and to equip God's people for victorious Christian living. And so we will stop at nothing to help the families of Barstow. And, uh, and we want to see marriages restored. We want to see moms and dads 
raising their kids in the ways of God. We want to see your kids grow up to be good, godly people. And we want to see grandparents blessed and doing things God's way. That's our heart. That's our passion. That's what we live for around here. And so it would surprise you sometimes people don't realize it, but sometimes there's just as many kids over there as there are in here. There's a lot of kids. I see the numbers, though. They'll send me the reports, and I'm like, how in the world is there that many kids at that church? Well, hey, it's our heart. We love kids, and we love you as parents and grandparents. And, of course, I want to remind you that if you don't really have a family, then we want to become your family, and we want to be there for you. And so that's our heart, and we spent the first 10 weeks of the year really digging into that, and we'll, we'll get back to that. But the last few weeks, as, uh, as I've seen things unfolding in the world, I've known that it's quite important that we address some of the uh, end times issues that we're seeing. And it's uh, flat out, I mean, it's just absolutely undeniable if you have studied the Bible to any extent uh, to deny that what we're seeing in Europe and other places in this world is a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. And I've tried to show you that out of Daniel 11 and Ezekiel 38, where it basically straight up says Russia is going to invade other countries. (laughs) And of course, back then, Russia was not officially a nation, but Daniel 11 called it the king of the north. And then uh, Ezekiel 38 refers to uh, a country called Magog, which would be modern-day Russia, and Gog of Magog, which would be their leader uh, invading and plundering other nations with the ultimate goal of teaming up with Iran, which in the Bible refers to as Persia, and overtaking Israel. And so I believe that that will happen. And, and, well, I don't just believe it. I know it's going to happen because the Bible said it would. And everything else the Bible said was going to happen has happened already, all right? And so it's an exciting time to be alive if you belong to Jesus, if you know where you're going, if you know that you don't have much longer to put up with the things in this world that we're going to heaven really, really soon, you get a little bit excited. Amen? And so, <laughs> praise God. I got a little girl telling me to quiet down a little. I'm sorry. I'll talk a little bit more quiet, honey. So, uh, but praise God. It's an exciting time to be a Christian and to know where you're going. Uh, you, we don't have to be afraid. But the truth of the matter is this, is that according to Scripture, none of us know the day and the hour that Jesus is coming back. Not even the Son of Man himself knows. But I did as I was sitting there worshiping. I kind of just asked myself this question, though. Just just for imagination's sake, what if you did know the day and the hour? What if you knew that, you know, Jesus was coming back this Friday at 3 p.m.? Would it change the way that you live your life this week? Would you behave differently than you did last week? Would you maybe uh, read your Bible this week? Would you maybe start talking to people and saying, guys, red flag, I've got an alert, I've got a warning, you have got to listen to me right now, it's urgent, please listen to what I'm saying. Would you start talking to your family and friends about Jesus finally? Would you quit arguing with other people about meaningless things? Would you change the way, if you did know the day and the hour, I think that I I would be a whole different person probably. (laughs) I know, I I would probably behave a whole lot differently if I knew the day and the hour. But here's the deal. You don't have to know the day and the hour. Jesus said you would know the season, just like when you start to see the leaves change on the trees, you know the springtime's a-coming. And he said, just like if you were to see birds flying in a circle in the the sky, you know that, hey, there's a carcass over there. You know how to tell the signs of natural things in this world. 
you got to be able to tell the spiritual signs. And when Jesus said, you'll see this, 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 and this, and all of a sudden it's 2022, and you've seen all of those things in like two years' time? Come on, somebody. Quit playing around. It's time to get real with Jesus. Amen? And so I'm going to talk a little bit today about some of the stuff that we've hit on the last few weeks. But my main point today is this. We're going to address being asleep when Jesus returns. Being asleep. And uh, you're like, well, hey, what's that all about? Let's open our Bibles this morning to Mark chapter 13. Amen. Now, the title of this series is Not the Time. We're saying it is not the time. And, of course, uh, I told you this, but I kind of got that phrase from I was sitting there seeing all the things going on in the world. And it just came to me like, man, it's not the time to be playing around. And then I heard my mom's voice in my head from when I was 10 years old. David, it is not the time to be doing that. You better never. And then I, then I, then I fast-forwarded to when I was 30 years old, and I heard my wife's voice. David, it is not the time to be acting like that. So I was like, okay, whoa, all right. The Lord's speaking through the ladies right now. Come on. And so I said, uh, yeah, it is not the time to be acting like a little fool. It's the time to be taking Jesus serious. By the way, if you need an outline for the sermon and you didn't get one, the ushers would love to give you one right now. They're waiting on me to make that offer available. Uh, so if you need an outline to follow along, please go ahead and grab one. But we're looking at Mark chapter 13. Now, uh, this is, again, I remind you, it's a parallel passage to uh, Luke 21 and Matthew 24. And so what we have here is uh, Jesus telling the disciples, they said, hey, can you tell us what is, what's going to be the sign of the end of the world? And Jesus goes and starts listing all these things. There's going to be wars, rumors of wars, crazy weather. There's going to be plagues of disease. There's going to be fear gripping people's heart. There's going to be racial division. There's going to be uh, nations going out. He said all these different things. And, I mean, unless you've lived under a rock, you've got to admit that they've happened. And so, uh, but this week I'm looking here at a few things that Jesus said in Mark chapter 13. And uh, very important here, but look at this. Check this out. Mark 13, verse 36. Jesus said, don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives without warning. Oh, I say to you what I say to everybody, watch for him. And so I, 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 I'm reading this, and I've seen several passages, which I'll show you more. But Jesus found the idea that many Christians would be asleep when he returns, he found that idea to be such a threat that he repeatedly warned us about it. Stay awake. Wake up. Don't be sleeping when I come back. And, and, and why would he have to do that? Well, because there's the temptation right now to fall asleep, spiritually speaking. Now, you hear me out. You need to sleep every single night, right? Physically, you got to go to sleep. But we're talking about spiritually. And there's so many people that are spiritually asleep right now. And, and there's probably different reasons. Maybe they just feel like, I just can't take it anymore. It's all negativity. I just want to just unplug, and I just don't want to pay any attention anymore. Well, you know, I mean, that's not the time to do that right now. Uh, or maybe uh, they just got bored with church and the things of God. Maybe they got mad at somebody else at church, and so they're like, well, I'm just not doing the God thing anymore. Hey, if you quit going to God's house because of a person, your faith wasn't in God. Your faith was in other people. I don't go to church for all you guys, though I love you, and that is, I guess that is a big reason I come. But I come here because I love Jesus, and I want to hear what he's got to say every week, and I want to worship at his altar. I want to present my tithe. I'm here for Jesus, first of all, and then all you lovely faces, second of all. Amen? And so 
Jesus was so serious about this falling asleep thing that he repeatedly said, stay awake, don't fall asleep, be alert, I'm coming, you got to be ready, you don't fall asleep, don't quit paying attention. He kept saying it over and over and over. And so I want to dig a little deeper today about what Jesus was talking about. And I think it would also help us to look at this from the angle of you and I being soldiers in God's army, and we are in a time of combat, okay? And so the scripture makes several references to uh, combat, right? Ephesians 6 talks about having the full armor of God. Uh, Paul mentioned in Corinthians that we are spiritually speaking at war, right? He said the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. And so whether you want to know it or not, we are in spiritual war right now, a combat. And there's all sorts of things taking place, but you and I have got to be ready, and it is not wise to fall asleep on the battlefield, right? Does anybody get that? I mean, that's just not a very good idea, all right? So let's go ahead. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to look at some fun facts about falling asleep, all right? Let's do this. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for your holy written word. And, Lord, we are grateful that you didn't leave us down here clueless. You didn't leave us down here on our own. You gave us everything we need right here in this Bible, Lord, to tell us what to do to live for you and to emerge from the end times victorious and go in that beautiful rapture that's coming, God. And I pray that we would listen to you today, have your way, speak to us, make us better for you. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, can someone say amen? All right, so let's look at this. Fun facts about falling asleep. And I was just going to call it facts about falling asleep, but then uh, my kids all the time, they say, hey, fun fact, blah, blah, blah. And then they say something like, on the way to church today, one of them was annoying the other. Hey, fun fact, I don't like it when you do that. Could you quit? So I'm like, all right, hey, fun facts about falling asleep. Number one, you're oblivious to what's going on around you. Now, I should have just called this obvious facts, but when you're asleep, you are oblivious to what's going on around you. Well, now, when I'm asleep, I don't have any idea what's going on around me. Maybe, you know, different people are different, but sometimes Pastor Katie will go on a cleaning spree or a redecorating the house spree. And, I mean, I'll, I'll go to bed at night, I'll wake up in the morning, and the whole room is different, and I'm like... Where in the world am I? Did I, like, was I transported during the night? What happened here? And all of this took place while I was in the room, but I was so zonked out that I was oblivious to the rearranging and the movements taking place around me, and I woke up, and I had no idea what happened. And there's a lot of Christians right now that they're just, like, spiritually fast asleep, and there's all sorts of things going on around them. Things are being arranged and set up for the end times and, and, uh, and, and, and really for the great tribulation to take place and the Antichrist to show up. And they're just, they don't have any idea. They're zonked out. And there's all sorts of things taking place around them, but they have no idea. And so what did Jesus say? He said, stay awake. Be alert. Don't let that day catch you off guard. And so when you're asleep, you're oblivious to what's going on around you. And I pray that churches and pastors everywhere are preaching the word of God on some of this stuff right now. And and I just think it's so serious that Christians know what's going on. Amen. And and that, uh, you know, I, I appreciate everything. I saw some church doing a sermon on a series about the Beatles songs, and I was like, 
okay, that's cute, but it's not the time to learn love me do or, you know, Sergeant Peppers, whatever. It's time to learn about Jesus is coming back and you better wake up. Anyway, thank you for your holy silence. Let's go to number two. Number two, what happens, fun facts, when you're asleep? You're vulnerable to attack. You are vulnerable to an attack. Now, the army takes this very, very seriously. I know we've got soldiers and Marines and stuff in here. But I was just curious. I'm like, so I Googled, what's the penalty for falling asleep on guard duty? And it popped up death. And I was like, huh? And so I, I need to, I don't know if that is still the rule. But I, pulled, I, I found this New York Times article from September 10th, 1861. That was a good year. You guys remember that? That was a fun one. All right, 1861. And so it was this New York Times article about this soldier that fell asleep at his post near Washington, D.C. And the article says this, found guilty at court-martial, General McClellan confirmed the finding and the sentence, and Private William Scott of the 3rd Vermont Volunteers would have received a volley of bullets from his comrades as a tragic, terrible vindication of military discipline. They're going to line him up and have his buddy shoot him. (laughs) for falling asleep on guard duty. But check it out. This was had not the presidential pardon saved him. Good old Honest Abe came in and gave Private Pyle or Private Scott here a presidential pardon and he didn't have to die. They just kicked his behind out of the army. I'm like, wow, dude, they, they're not playing around. I mean, it's apparently, I thought they'd make you peel potatoes or something, but they would kill a man for falling asleep on guard duty. And, you know, this may all sound kind of like extreme to some of us, but really, if you're asleep and you have other people's lives in your hand, you have important things in your command. And really, if you're asleep, any enemy can sneak up and absolutely annihilate you, and you won't know what hits you. And what happens when you don't know what hits you? I mean, you're a total mess. You start looking around and blaming people and 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 you'll blame your christian brothers and sisters and it really it was the devil that came up and smacked you around because you weren't awake but uh you know first peter says be sober be vigilant and be ready because your adversary the devil walks around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour and so we get smacked around by the devil or whatever the thief and we're like, oh, I know, it's Jesse's fault. That's who did it. It was Josh over there. And then, and oh, I'll get them. And you're blaming other people because you were caught so unaware that the devil smacked you silly, and you're looking for someone to blame. And then sometimes it extends from blaming people to actually get mad at God. Now, I, you know, people tell me all the time, man, I've just been mad at God. And I'm not judging you for that statement. I appreciate your sincerity on that. But I'm just saying... Guard your heart from getting mad at God himself, okay? Uh, Because if you see him as the source of your trouble instead of as the answer to your trouble, you're going to find yourself in an absolute mess. You're you're just going to, I mean, that's a bad, bad spot to be in. Just make it up and settle it in your heart right now that God is not your problem. He wants good for you. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come to give them life and life more abundantly. He's the answer to our troubles, not the source of it. And so when we're just asleep and not paying any attention, 
yeah, uh, I mean, you're, you're going to uh, be oblivious to what's going on around you. You're going to be vulnerable to attack. Number three, you can put others' lives in jeopardy. And that tags on to what we were saying about, you know, a, a, a military scenario here. You put others' lives in jeopardy. And us being a family church and, and aimed uh, at family so much, parents, you need to realize your kids' lives are in your hands. Grandparents, those little buddies, those little kids, they are very precious to God, and, and they look up to grandma and grandpa. Right? You may not realize it, and mom and dad, aunt and uncle, kids, they're looking up to you, and most of the time they will follow your spiritual lead. And I'll tell you now, if you don't take your faith seriously, they probably won't either. If you see God in church as optional, your kids will eventually find them as unnecessary. I'm going to say that again. If you take God and church and the Bible as optional when you've got extra time or when you feel in the mood that day, listen, your kids will eventually see that as unnecessary and like, well, it wasn't really that important to mom and dad, so I'll just, you know, I, I don't even really believe that stuff anyway. You could jeopardize other people when you're spiritually asleep right now. We have got to be alert. We've got to be awake, and there is no way in the world that I'm going to open up my children and my wife to attacks from the devil right in the end times. I am standing guard. Amen. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. And so there's no way that I can take time off from Jesus right now. I got to be taking him more seriously than I ever have because I'm telling you that Satan's not taking a day off. I found that out. You know, we always talk about summer vacations. We remind all the church people, when you take your vacation, don't take a God vacation too, right? Because we found that the devil don't take days off. He's always on the clock, and he's always waiting just for that moment of weakness when he can come in and sucker punch you. And so we say in the name of Jesus, every person in this church is staying awake, amen, and we are alert and prepared, and we're more plugged into Jesus than we ever have been before. Amen? And so number four, what happens when you're falling asleep? Fun facts about falling asleep. You're unprepared for what could happen in an instant. You're unprepared for what could happen in an instant. Now, you know, if I'm asleep and, and someone gradually wakes me up and says, hey, get ready, we're leaving in three hours, it's time to go ahead and start. I'm like, okay, I've got time to kind of, you know, play around here and, and, but if someone's like, Hey, wake up, we gotta go. I mean, you're not prepared for that. I, yeah, it, it takes some time. Right. And, and so what I found is when we are spiritually asleep, there's going to be an absolute emergency take place and it totally catches us off guard. And we are just in a bad, bad spot. We've got to be alert and prepared at all times, especially because Jesus said, be ready. Be ready at a moment's notice to go. And so I think about the stuff that, I don't know, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to be transparent and probably tell what the most embarrassing story of my life today. Are you all ready for this? I've been sitting on this story for six years, but here it goes. You're the fortunate people who get to hear this, all right? So uh, at my previous house, trash day was on Wednesdays. And, 
And so I would always take the trash can out the night before because brother came really early in the morning. And uh, one time I forgot to take the trash out on Tuesday night. And it was one of those weeks where I had both cans just full. And so I'm sleeping and I hear the sound, the trash man cometh, right? And so I'm like, oh, no, I should have been ready. I should have been prepared. And so I run out the door in my pajamas, and I grab the cans, and I'm like, it's okay. They're going to my neighbor's house. I'll just tag on to them. And so I pull up to my neighbor's. I, I run the cans down there to my neighbor's house, and I was just in a befuddled state of mind, foggy, totally unprepared. I'm putting it right on the curb next to the truck. I didn't realize that her can was in the air. And so as I'm standing there and putting it on the curb, I feel a bam. Dude cleaned my clock. He brought the trash can down on my head. Just totally just knocked me out. And, and so I get up and I'm like, oh, oh, my gosh. What happened? And I'm looking around like I hope none of my neighbors saw that because that's going to look really bad. And so I get up, and, and, and he hops out of the truck, and he's like, hey, what are you doing? And I'm like, I should have been ready. I should have been prepared. Oh, I should have been ready. And, and so he cleaned my clock, and I go in the house and tell Pastor Katie and the kids, and I expected some sympathy. They broke into laughter. And I'm like, like every time something bad happens, they laugh at me. It's crazy. But anyway, uh, I mean, I, you know, there's a – and I knew, like, when it happened, there's somehow, God's going to use this, amen? Uh, you know, God didn't cause it to happen, but surely when you do something that stupid, it could help somebody else out. And so here's the deal. I should have been ready for the trash man coming, and it cost me in the end. And I couldn't blame anybody. It's my job to take the trash out, right? And so for us, we got some things going on in this world. And, 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 and you may not know the exact minute that he's showing up, but you do know the, the, the season because he said you would know the season. And so be ready. Let me, let me show you something here in Revelation chapter 3. Let's go to Revelation chapter 3. Amen. I hope I didn't lose your respect. I've, earned, I've worked 15 years to earn your respect. All right. Revelation 3, verses 10 and 11. And uh, and so, you know, I remember sometimes at school, uh, I, I would sometimes maybe fall asleep in class or something like that. And, and I can just imagine, what, what if you're sitting there snoozing and they pass out the test? And it's like, hey, it's test time. And you're like, oh, wait, wait, uh, they mentioned something about this. But, uh, well, hey, it's too late to prepare. The test is here. You should have prepared before the test showed up. And you can't tell the teacher, hey, this isn't fair. I wasn't ready. Well, what's the teacher going to say? Well, you should have been ready. I gave you all the materials you needed. I gave you the book. I gave you lectures. I gave you sermons. I gave you, you should have been ready. It's not my fault you're not ready. Too bad. you got to take it just like everybody else. And judgment day is coming. And, I, you know, I, people don't like to hear those type of words in 2022, but it's just the fact of the matter. There is a judgment day. Every person in the world will stand before the Lord to give an account for their life. And just because you weren't ready, he's not going to postpone it just for you. The day's coming. And so I want you to look here at Revelation chapter 3, 
verses 10 through 11. Now, this is written to the church in Philadelphia, and not Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We're talking about in the old world here. So, uh, Revelation chapter 3. But look what he says to this church, verse 10. Because you have obeyed my command to persevere. I'm going to tell you today, High Desert Word Center, because you have obeyed his command to persevere, to stay awake. I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. I've got news for you today. I don't belong to this world. I belong to Jesus Christ. I may be in this world, but I am certainly not of this world. I don't fit in. I don't understand them. They don't understand me. I'm from a whole different area, and so are you because you are of the kingdom of heaven today. Amen? You are of, you are from a whole other dimension, and it's all because of Jesus, but this time of testing, notice I'm using the word test, just like a test were being passed out for you at school or a test in your life, there is a time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world which uh, if you're a true born-again Christian, that is not you. But look at verse 11. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. And so what's Jesus saying to us today? He's saying, I am coming soon. Hold on tightly to what you have so no one can take away your crown. Be ready. When I was in elementary school, we always had on Thursday, we had our spelling pretest. And if you did really good on the pretest, you didn't have to take the real test on Friday. And so if you think that all oh, this is crazy in the world right now, take my word. This is just the pretest, brother. This is just the pretest, sister. When Jesus comes and takes all the born again Christians out of this world, the real day of testing will arrive. Seven years of tribulation like this world has never seen before. Things so horrific that the, your, your innocent human mind can't even comprehend the things that may happen in this world. And so I'm telling you right now, I just want to pass the pre-test so I'm not going to be around here for the real day of testing that comes. Amen? And so how do I do that? I cling to Jesus, and for every whatever it takes, I stay awake. What if you knew that, hey, you know, uh, maybe you just got off work or something, and, and they're like, hey, I need you to leave right now and drive all the way to New York. You've got to get there. You've got to stay awake the whole time, and it's an emergency. Well, if I had to do that, what would I do, man? I'd be pounding down caffeine. I'd be slapping myself in the face. I'd be rolling the windows down. I'd be doing everything I could to stay awake. And some of you guys work night shift. You're pounding Red Bulls and doing everything you can to stay awake. I wish people would do whatever it took to stay awake spiritually right now. If that meant, well, you know what? Times are getting real. I'm going to have to go to church every week. I'm going to have to read my Bible every day. Oh, the thought of it. I may have to pray more than just when uh, I really need something out of God, when I need a bailout. I'm going to have to really start stepping it up a level. Well, what are you doing? You're doing whatever it takes to stay awake. If you would drink, you know, 45 ounces of pure caffeine to stay awake for a little bit of this, 
Why won't you do anything within your power to stay awake spiritually right now to make sure that you get on that first train right out of here with your wife and kids with you? Amen. And so it is serious times. And if you know how to keep yourself awake physically, you need to know how to keep yourself awake spiritually. Amen. Number five. So we're talking about fun facts about falling asleep. Number five. Now this one, this is kind of long. I don't usually make a point this long, but I know how to do this. And so you may say crazy things that are obviously wrong, but at the time they make sense to you. I'm going to say that again. This is a fun fact. It's a fun fact. That if you, when, you're, when you're sleeping, when you're falling asleep, you may say crazy things that are obviously wrong, but at the time they make sense to you. Do we have any sleep talkers in the house? I need to know. Identify yourself. Okay. More so women than men. All right, we got Nick over here. Now, uh, it's a known fact that my wife is a sleep talker, right? I didn't bring the videos in, but back when we were, uh, okay, I'll make sure there's nothing on the screen there. Uh, back when we were in our early 20s, I don't know, was YouTube was first coming out and stuff, and, and my wife, she sleep talks every night, and you can have these conversations, and they go back and forth. And in her mind, they make perfect sense. And everybody else is like, that doesn't make any sense at all. And so, I don't know, I was young and foolish, and I decided to just start videotaping her sleep talking and putting it on the Internet for others to laugh at without asking her permission. I know, it's terrible. This is not intentional uh, parenting or marriage. And so, anyway, I put them on YouTube, and, and all of a sudden, I got like 50,000 views on this video, then 100,000 views, and I'm like, Oh, wow, people are actually watching this. And then uh, Rachel Ray's TV show calls me and is like, we're doing a segment on people that sleep talk, and we saw your video, and we want to bring you guys out here. And I'm like, oh, man, this is kind of spiraling out of control here. And so there's teenagers in Barstow walking up to Katie and repeating. She's like, what's going on? I may or may not have put you on the Internet, okay? And so, but the good news is, is that, you know, part of the financial faith confession is royalties received. I get royalties off of my YouTube videos of my wife sleep talking. I mean, it's not much, but, you know, $33 here and there doesn't hurt anything. No, it's like two gallons of gas now, so I, praise God. And so, um, so anyway, yeah, she's thankful for it now, but at the time she wasn't. And, and here's the deal. Uh, I mean, you can find these videos, but she just would just say the most crazy things, and she's convinced of it. And everyone else is like, what's going on? And so one night I'm like, I'm like honey, wake up. And she's like, hey, quit rocking the boat. Quit rocking the boat. And I'm like, you're not on a boat. And she's like, hey, where'd that moose go? And she's looking for a moose. And I mean, just the wildest things. And so that's kind of what happens when you're sleeping. I mean, you just say silly, crazy things. And as silly as all that is, right now I see some Christians that are obviously not with the program saying crazy things. That to anybody else that's reading the Bible and in church, they're like, that doesn't make any sense at all. But they're convinced and in their mind, it makes really, really good sense, you know. Uh, I've seen things like, uh, you don't need church. You just connect with God on your own terms. Well, hold on. You can connect with God anywhere and anytime. You don't need to be in the building to connect with God. Thank you, Jesus, for that. But you do not call the shots and make it on your own terms. You arrogant, prideful little thing, you. He calls the terms. He calls the shots. And I'll serve him, but we're going to come to a little agreement here, me and God, that I'll do it this way. I know it says this in the book, but uh, we, we're going to do it this way. It's my way. Like, whoa, all right, buddy. Hey, I, I don't want to hang out with someone like that. You are setting your prideful little self up for some danger. 
but no one wants to talk about price. I heard a new song. I mean, I'm like, man, this is the catchiest song I've ever heard. I was, you know, I was kind of getting into it. And uh, uh, one of the words was, uh, was I may get drunk on Saturday, Sunday morning, I praise the Lord. And I'm like, what? You're bragging about that? And, then, and it's like, thank you, Jesus, for blah, 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 fast women and cold beer. And I'm like, you're thanking Jesus? for And, and I mean, I see people everywhere, oh, it just speaks to me when he says this. And I'm like, that speaks to you? Wake up, brother. You're asleep, sister. Come on. No, no, that preacher up there, he's mean and judgmental. I, I'm just stating the obvious, all right? Listen, I mean, seriously, that is, that's not healthy. That's not good. You're saying stupid things that make sense to you, but to everybody else, they're like, whoa, he's asleep or something. He's, what has he got going on there? Probably the, one of the most famous pastors in America said on March 9th of this year in his Sunday morning sermon, the Christian faith doesn't rise and fall on the accuracy of 66 ancient documents. What are the, that's the books. There are 66 books in the Bible. This preacher who everybody knows, well, probably the most famous, top five most famous preachers in America said, you need to quit taking the Bible so life and death serious. The pillars of our Christian faith don't rise and fall on the accuracy of 66 ancient documents. And I'm like, I mean, you may have a higher degree than I have, but they do. They do. If the Bible isn't real, if the Bible's a lie, then why am I bending my whole life over backwards to obey every word it says? Listen to me. Yes, the Bible is true. The Bible is real. And it says Jesus is coming back, and he is coming back. Even if that's not a popular thing to talk about anymore, I don't care what's popular. I care about what's true. Give me the truth. Amen? And so, back to, you don't have to turn there, but you can write it down. Matthew 24, 24. Jesus said that in the end, if possible, even the very elect would be deceived. The very elect. What does that mean? Christians? Some people take the word elect to even mean Christian leaders and preachers. It says even they could end up being deceived in the end. And I'm like, hey, I think I see some deception. I mean, I don't ever want to be deceived. So praise God, Jesus helped me to never walk into deception. But it's a real deal, brothers and sisters, all right? And so here's the main thing of what I'm wanting to get at today, all right? This has been burning on my heart for the last little bit. And it's the parable of the ten bridesmaids, all right? The parable of the ten bridesmaids. Who's kid is that? I got to address it. I got to address that. All right. I mean, all right, Desiree, help a brother out here. I'm a little. I'm at work right now. I'm at work right now. All right. Thank you. Praise God. All right. So we're gonna look here at the parable of the ten bridesmaids. And so what I want you to do is look at Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25. Now this, you know, of course, the Bible wasn't originally written in chapter and in verse. It was all, you know, just one one big letter here and so as we know Matthew 24 is the Olivet Discourse where Jesus gave all these signs of the times well it just goes right into Matthew 25 that wasn't a separate thought that wasn't an entirely separate uh, thing that Jesus was getting at and so Matthew chapter 25 and I want to read this story um, and and one thing that that Jesus and in the New Testament it, it consistently refers to is the idea of marriage and that Jesus is the groom and the church is the bride. And so the church being the body of Christ, all of us, 
And so even dudes, you know, you're the bride of Christ, right? And so, doesn't you know, it's not, it's not like that. And so it consistently talks about Jesus being the groom and us being the bride. And, and when we get to heaven, Revelation 19, there's a thing called the marriage supper of the Lamb. There's all these things. But I'm going to read this story, and then I'm going to explain really quickly. Because you've got to know, to understand it, you've got to understand the context of what, what a Jewish wedding of Jesus' day was like. And so once you understand that a little bit more, this makes more sense. And so this is one of Jesus' parables, and, uh, and maybe if you're in the King James, it's called the parable of the ten virgins. Or if you're in the, one of the newer translations, it's the ten bridesmaids. Virgins is simply referring to these are young ladies, all right? And so Matthew chapter 25, starting at verse 1, Jesus said, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. The five who were foolish did not take enough olive oil for their lamps or their, their lanterns or their candles. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. Now, ladies, if you've been a mom very long, what do you do? You always take along extra. Inevitably, something's going to happen. And so these young ladies, they were smart enough to bring along extra. Verse 5, when the bridegroom was delayed, when it was taken longer than they thought, just like we're down here waiting like, Jesus, I thought you'd be back by now, taking a little longer than we thought. When he was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. But at midnight, they were roused by the shout, look, the bridegroom's coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Now everybody's like, oh man, oh man, we got to get ready. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. We aren't ready. Can we bum off of you? But the others replied, wait, no, we don't have enough for all of us. You better go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was, bam, it was slammed and locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, for you don't know the day or the hour of my return. Like, whoa, that marriage story didn't have a hallmark ending. <laughs> that has kind of had a, uh, I mean, a sad ending. But what happened here, there's some lessons to learn out of this story. So I'm going to, I want to tackle this real quick. But to understand it, we need to a little bit understand like a Jewish ceremony of the day, because that's where Jesus was riding from. That's who he's really talking to in this scenario. And so for us in our 2022 Western civilization mindset, this was not a 20 minute wedding ceremony, eat some cake, throw some rice out the door, it's all over with. For these guys, the couple had probably been engaged or promised to each other since childhood because, hey, that's, that's that culture and that society, and you line up a, you know, a spouse for your child when they're a kid, and then when they get old enough, they marry the individual. And so this was years in the making, and when the, when the bride and groom are of finally of marrying age, probably they're up for teenage years or something like that, the groom goes to build a house. Maybe he got a parcel of land from uh, his dad or, or something like that. So he's like, okay, it's getting close to time. I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. 
And I'm thinking, wait, what did Jesus say in John chapter 14? He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place? And so we already see the parallels here of the groom here. He's got to go prepare a place. And Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And then when the place is ready, the groom and all his buddies, the groomsmen, they have a fallout procession during the night with candles and torches and they're coming down the street making noise the bridegroom's coming there's trumpets being sounded and 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 then all the all the girls get ready and yes yes and so he comes and gathers all the chosen ones and takes them back to the house and they would have a party that lasted seven days now when jesus the groom comes and gathers all of us the chosen ones and takes us back to the house We're going to have this thing, Revelation 19 calls it, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, I believe this takes place for seven years while we're in heaven feasting with Jesus. And on earth, there's seven years of tribulation destroying this whole place to the core. But again, you see all the parallels in the story here. And then after the seven days of feasting and celebrating, all the family has to leave and the new married couple can really start their life together how they want to, all right? And so this is uh, the Jewish marriage ceremony of that day. Now, in this story, though, what happened? The groom was taking a little bit longer than they originally thought. Now, there's a lot of people like, Man, I'm 50 years old. I thought he was going to come back when I was in my 20s and my 30s and my 40s. And, and like, what's going on? Well, hey, I don't know. It, it maybe it's taken a little longer than what we thought it was going to take. But here's the deal. Be ready. Don't fall asleep. Keep your fire going. Don't let the fire go out. And so I got a few takeaways from this story that I want to point out to you because this is very relevant to where you and I are right now. The story of the ten bridesmaids, all right? Number one, they all had the same opportunity. All ten of them were on an even playing field. Nobody had an advantage over the other. They all obviously had plenty of time to get ready, didn't they? Especially when it was taking even longer than what they originally thought it would. And so sometimes in our society, they're like, well, yeah, true, I wasn't ready. But it's not fair because uh, they had more stuff than me. So, well, that's not that excuse isn't going to fly right here. Jesus said, I'm telling you what I tell everybody, be ready for that day. Now, check this out. They were all invited to the marriage, right? Just like everybody in this world is invited to heaven. Everybody is invited to heaven. In fact, uh, Peter put it this way, God's being delayed because he doesn't want anybody to perish. He wants everybody to come to salvation. Everybody in the world is invited. And every one of us Christians, we all have a lamp. I do. I don't see my lamp. Yeah, you got a lamp. Well, Psalm 119, 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. You've got the lamp. You've got... You've got the invitation, you've got the lamp, you've got everything that you need to stay ready for when the groom comes to take us all out of here. But check it out. Number two, check this out. You can't borrow someone else's fire. None of the five wise girls, none of the five, you know, good 
bridesmaids said, oh, well, just take mine or, or we can share. No, you got to have your own lamp. You got to have your own fire. And so I'm telling you, you are responsible for staying lit up and on fire for Jesus in the end time. You can't piggyback on someone else's faith. You need to hang around people that are on fire for Jesus. But it's not enough for me to say, I, I know it says that, but I don't know. I'm just not in the mood. I just, Mike loves Jesus. He's, he's on fire for God. That's good enough. I'll just, you know, man, maybe I can just borrow his lamp. Maybe I can just, you know, feed off of his faith. You have to be ready for yourself. You're not getting in to the party by association with someone else. You're only getting there because you stuck with Jesus. Now, the third thing I'm going to say is this, is you can't be lazy. You can't be lazy. Now, now I, I was reading, I've read this story all week long. I've listened to sermons from so many different pastors on this exact story all week long. I've been digging it. I've been reading it. I've been turning it inside out. I've been, I've been really getting into this story. I'm driving to Victorville and back every day, listening to this nonstop and, and finally, something hit me out of here. Something just really got me. Notice that when they were, when push came to shove, when it finally happened and there was no other option, what happened? They went straight to the store and bought oil. Here's the deal. They knew exactly where to go get the oil the whole time. They knew where the store was. They knew where the oil was. They could have gone at any time that they were waiting and like, man, it's taken a while. Gosh. Okay, maybe we should go get some more oil right now. They knew where the store was, all right? And I'm telling you right now, HGWC, we're, we're selling the, we, we got oil for sale, buddy. Come on. <laughs> Listen, you know where the store is. You know where to go get the oil. You know where to go get more prepared and on fire for Jesus. You know how to do it. It's not just that church. That is one great place to do it. But you know where your Bible is. Who in here, you know where your Bible's at or did you, okay? You at least got a Bible app. I recommend having a hard copy in case some crazy thing happens that they ever shut down your electronic access. But anyway, that's just between me, you know, between you and God. But I do recommend having a hard copy of the Bible. But you know where it's at. You know where Jesus is. You know how to get a hold of Jesus and pray, right? These five foolish little girls, they at any point in time, they knew exactly where the store was the whole time. But their whole plan, apparently the whole time, they already knew like, no, we're going to procrastinate, and then at the last minute, we'll just bum some of theirs. Why should we have to go do it ourselves? Why should we have to go read ourselves? Why should we have to go consecrate ourselves? Why should we have to go to the altar ourselves? Why should we have to study ourselves? Why should we have to go to church ourselves? Why should we have to do it ourselves when they're already doing it? That was their game plan from the beginning. And in the end, they're like, oh, man, now we now we have to go get some. But then it was too late. There's going to come a day that trumpet's going to sound, and uh, we're going to get out of here. There's going to be people scrambling like, oh, my gosh, what do we do now? What do we do now? Where do we go? Where do we... What's going to happen? They're banging on the door, and Jesus says, hey, depart from me. I never knew you. Woo. That's not a popular message to preach in 2022. If I was trying to be popular, I'd be telling you you're good enough, you're smart enough, and doggone it, people like you right now. Amen? I would just be preaching cotton candy all day long, but I can't preach cotton candy right now. i got to give you the absolute truth. And praise God, I say it every week, but you're here. You, you obviously, you 
are getting things right with Jesus. You're living for him. I know you people. But here's the deal. You know people that if Jesus came back right now, they ain't going. And we're sitting here keeping our mouth shut, not saying a word. Well, I don't want to offend them. I mean, they, they may think that I'm judging them. Let them think what they want. But for the love of God, people got to know that Jesus is coming back any day now. You've got to be ready. And I, I mean, I'm not stupid enough to put a date on and saying it's next week. It could be 10 years. It could be 100 years. I have no idea. But I know all the things are falling into place right now that he said, when you see this, it's getting closer. When you see this, it's getting closer. Oh, when you see this, be ready, be ready, be ready. And here it is. It's all happening in our lifetime. And we've got people fast asleep, snoring. Their head is in the sand. La, 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 la. That's a dangerous way to be right now. I'd like to show you one final thing in 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians 4. Now, Paul wrote to the Thessalonian church, the church of Thessalonica, because they had some questions about the rapture and about the return of Jesus. And so they're, they're both very short books, First and Second Thessalonians. But there's a few things I want to grab out of here today real quick. First Thessalonians 4. Are you guys still with me? All right. Okay, we're going on 44 minutes right now. Can we make it to 45 minutes? <laughs> All right. So First Thessalonians chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 16 through 18. And so Jesus, I mean, read the whole thing when you went on your time, but I just want to read a few verses here. But look at this, 1 Thessalonians 4, chapter 16. Paul says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout. Hey! He's going to yell, hey, I'm here! Amen. You ever have a friend just show up and, hey, I'm here! I'm going to be like, whoa! Let's go, brother! Yeah! I'm excited about this. He's going to show up with a shout saying, I am here with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. You're going to hear that trumpet. And what's going to happen next? First, the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Amen. That's going to happen. And then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then what's going to happen? We will be with the Lord forever. So what's my job? So encourage each other with these words. Amen. The day's coming. In fact, 1 Corinthians 15, I believe it's verse 52, says that that day is going to show up in a moment. The King James says, in the twinkling of an eye, or in, or in, as long as it takes you to blink. In the blink of an eye, it's over. The Christians are gone. You're out of here. You're in heaven with Jesus. Now, what did Paul say to do here? Encourage each other with these words. So everything that I've said today... It's not to scare people, unless you need scared, I guess. It's not to, it's not to uh, make you, you know, whatever. It, it, it's all an encouragement to you that, like we just saw right there, when this day comes, brother, when this day comes, sister, we're out of here, and we're going to be with Jesus forever and ever. There is no more crying. There's no more pain. There's no more sickness. There's no more separation. There's no more anything bad forever and ever and ever only good. Now,
Now, we could go deeper than that and talk about the millennial reign and the battle of Gog and Magog in our mind. But I'm not going there right now. What I'm talking about is you're going to be with Jesus forever and ever and ever. Now, why is this so important? Because I've, I've made tons of reference here, and I'm going to try to wind it down here. But I just feel I'll, I'll, I'll just take, you know, one more minute that as the Christians leave, there does start this period of world history called the Great Tribulation. Seven years of, I mean, the morals of this world are gone. The Christians are gone. All hell will break loose. People will be searching for answers. They'll be looking for a leader that could just, does anyone have answers? And then a man will arise like, hey, it's okay, guys. I love you. I've got you. For three and a half years, he's going to look like he's got the answers. And he's going to look like he's restoring peace to this world. He's even going to sign a peace treaty with Israel. But three and a half years through the seven, boom, his true colors show. And it is the Antichrist. He starts out looking real good. And we're like, nobody would believe that. Do you see who they call good right now? Oh, they'll believe it. <laughs> Even Christians will believe it. And so, uh, well, well, I, I, I'm going to keep digging myself into it deeper. People can receive Jesus after the rapture. But here's the thing is they will have to be murdered for their faith unless they somehow miraculously survive all seven years, which is highly unlikely, but they, some will. Anyways, so, so the seven years of this tribulation, People searching for answers, and what do we do? And, and it even tells us that you've got to receive his mark if you want to be able to buy or sell anything. You've got to get it. Do we know what it is? Well, it says this represents the number 666, which is the number of man, and it says it will be in your right hand or on your forehead. What does that mean? Well, I don't know, but I never thought that there would be a time when, you know, you can't go to the store or do this or do that unless you do and get exactly what we tell you to do. Then I'm like, wait a minute. Hey. <laughs> Anyway, so, so what we got going on is people lining up and, 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 and it's saying that people, what are you going to do if you're here on this earth and your baby needs food, but you can't go to the store? What are you going to do when, uh, you know, I, I can't get any money anymore. I got to start selling my things up. You can't sell anything. You don't have the mark. You're not qualified. Well, what, of course, Revelation tells us, once you get the mark, it's all over. You cannot, it's impossible, it's unpardonable, you can't go to heaven at that point. So what I'm saying is all, all these crazy things, again, not to scare people, but here's the deal. You do want to go in the rapture. You do not want to be left behind. And so out of everything we're saying here, Jesus over and over said, stay awake. I know it's hard. I know you're getting tired. I know you're worn out. Stay awake. Don't fall asleep. You don't know the exact moment, but you know the season. It's coming. Don't fall asleep. Don't give in. Be ready because that day is coming where, yes, you'll hear the shout from heaven. You'll hear the trumpet call of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first. And then in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And we are out of here. Amen. Never to look back. And so I believe everything that the Bible says about this. And I just find it very, very important for us right now that we do, as Jesus said, things are getting real. And I'm not a doomsday guy. I'm not a, you know, making things up. I'm not even grasping at straws here. This is all just some basic stuff. But what I am telling you is be ready. Be more ready than you've ever been before. And, hey, if we're wrong and it's a thousand more years, then praise God. Hey, we go to heaven either way. But we want to be ready right now. And so I encourage you with the words of Paul, the day's coming 
but be ready. Can we stand up together today? Praise the Lord. Amen. It's exciting times. It's exciting times to be alive and to be a Christian. Have my prayer team come on up with me today. Praise the Lord. Um, you know, I, one thing that I've seen over the last several months, especially since all the crazy got turned up another level, is I've seen like I always do. I've seen lukewarm Christians just do what they always do and, you know, not have time for God. But I've seen an interesting thing the last several weeks. I've seen people coming into church that are desperate for Jesus and coming up and giving their lives to Jesus like every single Sunday. So the lukewarmers are doing what they've always done and just staying lukewarm. But the people that were lost and were cold, they're running to the altars of God. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. They're getting it. Praise the Lord. But I'm talking to you today, and I want to say this. If you're here and all this sounds like, well, man, that's interesting. That sounds good. Listen, if you do not have a right relationship with Jesus right now, I would not roll the dice on this thing. I wouldn't leave this building today without securely knowing that I have things right with Jesus. I would get it right right now. We don't know if we're promised tomorrow. We have no idea. And so what I want to do is I, I want to lead you in a prayer today. But then I'm going to ask you to be bold enough, if you pray that with me, to, to come up and talk to one of my prayer team here and let us know that you made that decision. And we want to set you up and get you on the right road to success. But it's risky to not have Jesus in your life right now. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes together? Praise the Lord. I would like for you to repeat this prayer after me, and I would sincerely hope that you mean it. Let's say this. Father, in Jesus' name, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he died. I believe that he rose again. I believe he's coming back. Jesus, forgive me for anything wrong I've done. Give me the strength to live for you. Make me a new person. I'm coming home in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give Jesus some praise today? Amen. So what's going to happen now is Josh is going to lead us in some worship. If you're here and you need prayer for anything at all, I've got a prayer team here. I'd love to pray for you, whatever it is. But especially if you could say, no, today's the day that I really, I, I got things right with God. You need to come up. Jesus said, if you will acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. But if you deny me before men, I'll have to deny you before my Father in heaven. You've got to have a point in time where you were at least bold enough to come up and tell somebody, you know what, I gave my life to Jesus today, and I need some extra help. And if you do that, you know, we'll set you up with a mentor, a, a spiritual personal trainer that will uh, help you out over the next 30 days. Amen. All right, let's go. If you need prayer for anything, please come up right now. We want to pray. Let my heart want for nothing but you. Just you let my heart want for nothing but you and just you the riches of this world could never satisfy let my heart want for Let my heart want for nothing but you, just you. Let 
blessed you the riches of this world could never satisfy let my heart want for only you you're my constant in the
else but Jesus. Amen. Let him be the desire of our hearts every day. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Hallelujah. Uh, It's good to be in the presence of the Lord. Amen. We want you to know we love you. You need to know that, that you are loved. You are valuable. You are not the, you know, some worthless person. You are not uh, scum. You are not the sum of your mistakes. You're the object of the love of God. He loves you. We love you, amen, and you are in the right place. You do belong here, amen. You are valuable to Jesus, and you're valuable to us. You matter very, very much, and I want you to know that today, amen. Hallelujah. Well, I want to also remind you that we have church tonight, 6 o'clock. I got my brother Chuck going to be delivering the word to us tonight. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hot out of the oven. He's talking about the grace of God, right? Yeah, so it's going to be a good one. And, of course, parenting class is from 4 to 5 p.m., so parents, come on out to that. And we do have child care, just remind you of that, but that's available, and we're going to have a really awesome time. And is there prayer at 5? I don't see Maxine. Uh, Maxine? All right. Uh, I think there's prayer from, uh, at 5 o'clock, too, for the prayer group. Maxine's next door with the kids, all right? Uh, right. Oh, last thing, uh, if you are interested in being or helping out with the Easter play, see Dylan in the coffee bar right now. He's going to be right over there, okay? Adults or children alike, you can be in the play, okay? Let's go ahead and close out with prayer, and then we'll speak some words of faith over our city today. Amen? Let's raise our hands. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for what we have seen in your word today. And, Lord, we know that we none of us know the exact time you're coming back, but it is true that you said we could look and know the season. And, Lord, it, it very much it looks like the season of your return right now. So I pray that everybody that's been here today and everybody that's watched online will receive the word. And, Lord, we are staying awake. We may feel weary. We may feel tired. But we thank you, Lord, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so that we are alive. We are awake. We are ready for your return. And we're going to tell somebody about it this week, too. We love you. We praise you. And I pray for a blessing on every family and every person here. They're off limits to the devil in the name of Jesus. They're blessed everywhere they go. In Jesus' name, can someone say amen? All right, let's speak some words of faith over Barstow today. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is safe in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll see you tonight.